Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Today, I'm excited because I have with me Sabina Sulat, who is an author, a founder, and an employment expert. Today, I'm going to talk to Sabina um, all about career and job search advice. As I mentioned, Sabina has written books and often works with plenty of job seekers out there to help them uh, navigate through transitions, as well as to help them land careers that give them opportunity to do their best work. And we're going to talk to her all about how MBA students and others can navigate uh, their careers as well as the job search process. So Sabina, thank you so much for joining me today. I always love starting with a warm-up question. So my warm-up question for you is, who are you and what is one thing about you that we cannot find on your website or your LinkedIn profile? Who am I is a really good question. My joke is that it can change hourly. We all wear many hats. Very recently, an author, employment expert, a former L&D guru, many, many lifetimes. That's all I can tell you. And an interesting fact about me that you can't really learn about, I used to be a DJ on the radio. <laughs> That's a fun fact. How did you get started in that? I was willing to work from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Wow. Okay. It was a small local station. They needed people to work those hours. And it was a tiny little wage, but the enormous benefit that I and my friends could go to pretty much any concert we wanted. That's great. Talk about a great employment benefit for a job. Definitely one that I'm sure paid off a lot in terms of fun and enjoyment. I was quite popular. Oh, I can, I can imagine. I can imagine. Okay. So it sounds like it was from back in your own uh, experience. But uh, one of the things I know you have a lot of experience with is you work with a lot of students, many of whom are job seekers. How did you get started in this space? And, and how did you get passionate about working with students? It came from doing something I think everybody should do, and that's volunteering. I think it's, as a you know well-rounded individual, giving back. A weird consequence, I live in the same town as my alma mater. And it's a liberal arts college. It's a it's St. John's College. It's a very unique school. And I would always go to networking events there. I would always go to like job fairs and I would sit alone at a table because students who go to this college want to become doctors and lawyers. And no one understood the work that I did. And I would end up looking at people's resumes and taking knowledge I already had and helping students because I wanted to connect with them. And then it just became, okay, you've read my resume. Can you help me interview? And it just mushroomed and snowballed. And then it went to other local schools. And then I made a big career change a couple of years ago where I left corporate life. I wrote a book called Agile Unemployment about how to navigate being out of work. But students are out of work too, but they have very different needs. So that's the foundation of the second book. I couldn't agree with you more about this idea that uh, people should use volunteering as 
a means not to just give back, which is super important, but it's also a great way to expose yourself uh, to more opportunities and to, to try new things or to flex new muscles or uh, to use the skills you already have that you know are that you're exceptional at in, in, in other ways to benefit yourself and to benefit others for that matter. And it definitely sounds like through this work, as well as some of the other work that you've done, you've really been able to work with a lot of dif different job seekers who are seeking for different reasons or facing different challenges. And as we think about where we are right now, uh, so we're recording this and at uh, the beginning of the summer of 2022, because you work a lot with job seekers, I would love to know from you, what are some of the challenges you, that people are coming to you with right now? And also just generally about navigating the labor and employment market. Yeah. Oh, this is, so this is such an interesting time in work. I'm fascinated and so excited by what's going on because we're seeing things we've never seen. And one thing I want everyone to know, whether you're a student, whether you're out of work, thinking about the great resignation, never before in U.S. history has the worker been in such a position of empowerment. And I think we, I think it's very Wizard of Oz. Like we had this power all along. We just didn't realize that organizations need us in a way a lot more than we need them. They need our skills, our expertise, our work in order to function and exist. But maybe this is part of the good that's come out of the pandemic is we get a lot more control over our destiny. And I think as you look for a job, you need to know that because I don't think you have to anymore settle for a job. You can now go for the job. And that's very different than what my grandparents, my parents, even my generation went through. I was raised where you were lucky take a job and benefits and be grateful for it. And don't worry about being fulfilled in the job place. My grandparents laughed at that concept. But now we're saying, no, wait a minute. You spend more time at work than anywhere else. So when people are looking for a job, I want them to keep that in mind that you deserve to love what you do and you have a lot more control than you think. And one thing I will say in the employment process if you have that underconfidence or even, I hate to use this word, but it's true, that desperation, it crosses over to interviews and people can sense it. But if you look at the job search as you looking for the right fit for you and the organization and that it's a collaboration, not a judgment, that crosses over to every interaction you have with recruiters, hiring managers, even day one on the job. It's a very, to me, it's a very powerful thought. I wish I'd learned it years ago, but I do take it with me now. And I think that makes a world of difference. I agree that it's a very powerful thought. And what I would suggest based off what you're saying is that it is a definitely a different mindset and it's a mindset shift than perhaps either traditionally what has been or perhaps traditionally some of the stories or the norms that maybe some people have heard or have been passed down to them. Yeah. Um, than previously. And I wanted to zero in on something just a little bit further because I agree with you. I think one of the things you said was that people do have a little bit more control and they can ask for certain things or architect their search to a certain role or opportunity, maybe more so than they have in the past. Could you shed maybe a little bit more light into what that could look like? And part of the reason why I ask is because I think the mindset shift is one element of it, but then there's the execution of how that actually happens. And so could you just share a little bit of what you've seen in terms of either clients you've worked with or just your general advice of how someone could actualize on that control? 
Yeah. So first things first, I love using the word architect for this. I'm going to totally steal it. So maybe I'll give you credit for it, but I love that. And you're, that's like the perfect word for it. I think besides that mental mind shift of you're in the driver's seat with your career, if you notice no one's really knocking on your door saying, we want you to be CEO of Google, you kind of have to earn these things. Having the mindset is the first thing, but let's kind of talk about the workplace today or the, the job hunt today, however you want to call it. There are certain things that are now just givens in the market today. And one of them is being online and being a part of that artificial intelligence, algorithms, social media, all of it is now such a huge part of the job search. And it annoyed me to no end. Uh, because in a way, you have to know the system better than your job in some respects. But I think one of the things that I advocate for clients, I advocate at my book, is that instead of railing at the storm, embrace it and you can make it work for you. And that goes right to the question you asked. I have the skill set. I have this education. I have the mindset now. That means nothing if people can't see it and access it if they can't get my resume, if they can't see me on social media. I think personal branding, we need a better phrase for that. I think it's letting people see who you are. And I think we have to decide who we are. What's our why, so to speak? Where do I want to work? What kind of an organization? What kind of a career do I want? And then how do I let people know that? And so I think branding yourself on social media, LinkedIn, making sure your resume has the right words that get you through applicant tracking systems. The pre-work to applying for a job is so much more important now than it's ever been because there are so many ways people can look you up. Before it used to be your resume was your golden ticket into a job. You'd mail it in or maybe email it in. Now it's out there all the time. I can look at you up on LinkedIn. I can do a Google search. I can look at your Instagram. All of that is really important that you do some self-marketing. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I, have a, I had a client who was out of work who thought it was a good time to do a career transformation. He had been an accountant for a government entity of three letters, and he didn't like it. He wasn't happy. He wanted to work in the nonprofit sector, so he remade himself, reinvented himself, and still wasn't, he couldn't find a job in nonprofits that he liked. Then he realized he's a numbers guy. So he became a CPA for a nonprofit. Same skills, same job, same experience, but he made that mind shift and then that kind of public shift of, I'm not the government uh, employee. I'm not full of all this rigidness, et cetera. I like the nonprofit world. And that allowed him to market himself to nonprofits as taking that expertise and solving their problems. It's a tiny shift, but it was a whole new audience for him. And as you look for work, I think you have to, your chances of success and what's important, everyone's going to get a job in this environment. The issue is really the time it takes you to get that job. The more you know you and your audience and you align them, that job search that is usually anywhere from six to nine months, and that's the average at a certain level, can be shortened considerably. So I'm glad you brought up 
uh, personal brand. And I, one of the favorite things I like to say is I do feel like personal branding needs a personal rebrand and some, I can get on board with that in some kind of way, shape or form. But I also agree that it still is critically important. And I'm glad you brought it up because one of the things I wanted to ask you about one of the pieces of questions or challenges that sometimes I hear from job seekers or just people in general is this idea that I'm not someone who likes to do that. Right. Or I'm not necessarily as comfortable, you know, doing that. I know you currently espouse the importance of it. And I also know you practice what you preach. Um, I've seen you post on social media. You definitely try to, as much as you can, walk the walk and talk the talk. What types of advice might you have for someone or ideas might you have from someone who is a little bit more reticent or hesitant to participate in those types of activities? How can they find ways to, to, to go about doing it in a way that feels good to them? Well, the first thing is if you don't like doing things like that, the line forms behind me. I, I really, I fought it for the longest time, but for me, and I think this is something people should keep in mind, you have a message to give. You have a story to tell. And that's, if you look at your putting yourself out there as your voice being heard or perhaps helping or inspiring someone else. To me, the reason I do it is because I really, as corny as it sounds, I love helping people. Yesterday, one of my student clients, we met in the morning and very, very down about the job search. I've really had to push to do the rebranding because he wanted to change fields. And yesterday had a call where he now has an interview Friday and it's this complete change. And just being able to watch his transformation makes me happy. So I deal with it. I would say be authentic to who you are and what you want. You don't have to be a Kardashian or social media influencer. No one's asking you to do that. Set your own boundary. And if your level of being out there is just, you should have the LinkedIn page. Over 50% of all social media is fed from LinkedIn, believe it or not. And it is now the number one place to network, job seek, et cetera. You should have a more than passable LinkedIn profile. But only write about things you care about. Only comment on things that interest you. Only connect with people who resonate with you. That authenticity is going to be key to you doing it. Only apply to jobs you really, really want. So I think before you jump in and join every bit of social media and come up with clever names and everything is sit back and think about who am I? What are my values? What's my mission and vision? And I'm very big. I make people write those out. And that gives you an idea of who to tie into, what to tie into. But if you stay true to yourself, I think it's a little easier because you will then gravitate towards, again, that artificial intelligence coming at you. That will start to come into your feed, but it won't be things that don't interest you or don't spark an idea. And then you will end up in the feeds of other people who are like-minded, who have similar interests, uh, similar career goals, or are in your field. And that's what makes it a lot easier. I think for introverts, and I am one, online makes it a lot easier because you're not in front of a person for, it allows you to be more thoughtful and methodical. So I think there's something for everyone in this. You just have to, I would say, be strategic. Absolutely. No, I think that's the absolute right uh, mindset and approach to it. And I think fundamentally, I think what it gets to is that 
you, by putting out and engaging in the types of things that are relevant and resonant to you, that will then fuel in return and you'll get things that are relevant and resonant, right? Yeah. I want to, I think you're bringing up, or I think you're skirting around something that keeps a lot of people out of social media or it brings up that fear is you hear a lot about hate speech and there's a negative corner of social media and the internet that gets the majority of the press and the comments and so forth. You can really avoid those areas. And I would say by being professional, by being that strategic, no one spends hours and hours talking about how polite and professional and good something is. Instead, it's something that is provocative and grabs our attention. So I wouldn't even worry about that part. And if by chance I have had people come back to me and say things that were not nice and I don't engage, I don't engage publicly, that's for sure. And that's just one way around that. The other thing is keep in mind, even though it's public and out there, I was terrified the first time I did my first big LinkedIn post and I had to call a friend and have them like talk me through it. And she made a comment. If you really think the rest of the world has nothing better to do than to read your one post, you're really a little clueless as to how the Internet works. I'm like, that's right. Not everybody is reading this like me um, and my little circle and my network. So it's not as out there as you might think. You're not as exposed as you might think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing I always remind myself of is when I get some of those thoughts is just the amount of time you think that people are spending thinking about you is probably way less than <laughs> you actually think it is. And if you think it's more then you're just fooling yourself of yeah. how important you think you are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, one thing, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about is we, particularly as we think about the job search is this idea about transferable skills, right? And yeah. Part of why I bring this up too, and, and it ties very much in with personal branding and social media, is that regardless of who you are, you have a set of strengths and skills and capabilities. And that's true for anyone. And particularly for those who are making some kind of transformation, you probably aren't going to throw everything away. Uh, there's probably going to be some things that you can take with you that are going to make you exceptional in whatever you do next. Uh, but there's a little nuance and a little devil in the details of how you actually figure what those things out and then share them with the world. Or even for that matter, start getting into those conversations uh, on social media. So could you talk a little bit more about transferable skills as well as how to make that happen in a job search? Yeah, there's so many components to transferable skills. And I think especially for students, and this is any level, high school, college, graduate, I never see students give themselves enough credit. And what I mean by that is a lot of students don't have a lot of work experience. And I think even graduate students, some people go straight through from undergrad to grad. It's really important to look at your accomplishments because that's where you're going to find some really great key skills, like what helped you succeed. And I recommend keeping like a database, a list of accomplishments in the skill. And so often you think, oh, I wasn't paid to do, I don't know, let's think of something like be a programmer. And therefore, my chances of getting into that line of work without a degree or certification are minuscule. But because we have this labor shortage, 
and people are realizing it's not necessarily the job, it's the abilities you bring to the table that are more important. I can teach you so many things about an organization or I can teach you how to program. It might take a little bit of time, but I can do that. There are things I can't teach like integrity. I can't teach being a good communicator. I think that's a skill you either have or you don't have. Uh, you can improve it, but some people are just really natural at that. So knowing those kind of, sometimes in the learning world, we call them capabilities. But knowing if you have that, if you have natural leadership, even if you haven't been paid to be an actual leader, but maybe you, I don't know, you were a captain of a sports team or you led a band or you were first violin or something like that. That's a leadership skill. Believe it or not, you have the skill of leadership. And I want people to expand how they think about their skill set beyond a job you had or something someone taught you to do and think about it as an innate talent or an ability that you have, because those are really the things that will set you apart in the job market. And you've got to give yourself credit. You also have to be able to explain how you emulate that and how it translates to the job you're seeking. That's the easy part. I think it's identifying it in ourselves. I never thought I I never wanted to be a coach or whatever it is that I currently do right now. But I realized I was always the person people came to for advice or support. And I'm like, okay, so I guess I really have been doing this all along and maybe it would be great to get paid for it. And it took me a while to realize that. And I think we sell ourselves short and we need to give ourselves a lot more credit. One thing I recommend is I had a, I have a student I work with emailed everybody she was in class with and said, what's the one word you think about when you think of me? And the response is she was shocked because she didn't, she's like, I did not think I was a good writer, but almost everybody came back with that. I should be looking at jobs that allow me to do this because I enjoy it. And apparently I make an impression I'm like, there you go. So there are ways to find your skills, but give yourself a lot more credit and really think wide. I think that's such a great example and a great story of a really important point, which is uh, I'm all for self-awareness. I'm all for self-reflection. I'm all for looking at yourself internally, but sometimes it's hard to see your own genius. And the other thing that is hard to do is to truly seek to understand what other people see from the outside on the other receiving end. And so I, I love that example you gave of that student who did that because I could see that how that could, that, those ahas can be really, really powerful, right? Because they help mm -hmm. In her case, I think I assume fuel what to look for in, in her next role. And not only that, it was this amazing confidence booster. Sure. Yeah. You're right. We don't see our own genius. I love that. I'm stealing so much from you today. <laughs> That's OK. I think I've heard it from other people. So just we're, we're okay. just going to keep passing it along. So one other thing I wanted to ask you about is the proverbial making time to find a new job when you have a job. And yep. I, I think I've heard this described to me before that sometimes looking for a job feels like an additional job on top of the job that you already have. When you work with job seekers, whether they're students or just uh, general professionals, what advice do you have for people who are trying to manage this? Because it can sometimes be both mentally taxing as well as just the calendar doesn't expand, right? Or there's no more, there's, you can't fit 25 hours in a 24 hour day. This is a great question. And you're right. I think we do look at 
looking for work as a job unto itself. And I do think we need to change that for a couple of things. And it's not just if you already have a job, it's what if you're a full-time student and you need to look for work? Or, oh my gosh, (laughs) you're a part-time student, you're working and you need to find a job. Forget looking for a job. When are you going to sleep? So I think, again, having that strategy and one of the things that's happened this year, and I don't know whether it's part of coming out of COVID or it's just the way it happened, but a lot of the students I've been working with waited till this year to look for jobs for graduation. And it was very hard to have a conversation with them of this is a little too late because the time of the job search and so forth. So I think one of the number one rules is if you need to be looking for a job, start as soon as possible. And then going back to what I said earlier, have that strategy of what you're looking for. What is your, again, brand? (laughs) How do you want to present to employers and start putting that on your LinkedIn, getting that on your resume, coming up with your elevator speech? I think you should be completely prepared to look for a job before you start looking for a job. So have all of that set up because that stuff will shorten the time period, and it will help you solidify what you want. The other thing is, I would limit the time you spend looking for work. If you're out of work, or unfortunately, you can let it take your entire weekend, we need to be very, we need to be full humans. Uh, You cannot, you can only spend so much time doing one thing. My bit is, I can't spend eight hours a day looking for a job. I don't even want to spend eight hours doing something I like. So if you are prepared and you have like your little job seeking toolkit or persona or suitcase, whatever you want to call it, ready to go, you should be able to put the job search into less than a couple of hours a day or even a week, depending on your situation and your need. And if you're organized and you track things and you follow up, it should make it a lot less stressful for you. And I think the job hunt, for want of a better word, should be a more relaxed process. It should be something, I always use the analogy of dating. Dating should be fun. It should be a conversation, a collaboration. It should be someone being a little picky, but knowing what they want and looking for it and not taking a consolation. And that if you're prepared, you do this methodically, you give yourself enough time you can start to build the kind of career you want and look for and get the jobs that you want. But I think you need to set limits on that. And another thing I'll say, I've never stopped the job seeking process for myself. I know what I'm doing now and I really enjoy it, but I still put out feelers every now and then. And I think people should always be prepared to shift careers, to do that change or be prepared for, unfortunately, the unfortunate. So I think you should always tweak that social media profile, that resume. You get a new certification, pop that on the resume, pop it on your LinkedIn, brag about yourself. I think we look at looking for a job, being unemployed as this negative state, and it really is a part of everyday life. And we need to make it normal so we can have these conversations about looking for work and being out of work and wanting to find a new career instead of these things that we keep hidden. I think that's a really great point. And I'm glad you you brought that up. 
And I also agree with you. I love what you said about the fact that there's things you like doing that you don't want to be doing in hours a day. Why on earth would you want to spend that much time uh, each day on, on something like that? And I think it's, it's a good reminder that it's super important, but within putting it in perspective of the broader scheme of anything going on in your life at any given time. So, I, mean, I know you said at any given moment you're doing a multitude of different things, but I would love to know from you, what are you working on right now? I know you've written a book. I think you're writing another one, but what is keeping you busy these days? Too much, not enough. So I am writing a second book and it is based on working with students or working with people who are starting their careers. And it's not just students. And a lot of the things that I've discussed today are a part of that. So I'm looking at launching that book uh, by the fall. But in preparation for that, for the first time ever, I'm actually building a course to teach just what I was talking about of how do you be prepared to look for a job? And the way I look at it, there's something called the employee engagement cycle that organizations use. And it's how they interact with their employees at the different phases of employees being in their organizations. And it's like the attraction phase. How do we attract talent? And then the recruiting phase and the onboarding and orientation phase. My course is called Career Attractor. And it's really how you attract the career you want and how you do your online presence, your social media, your LinkedIn, your resume, so that you become attractive to the kinds of careers, jobs, organizations that align with your values, your mission, your vision. So hopefully in about three weeks, that will happen. Well, that's exciting. And certainly I think much needed and definitely aligns with a lot of the things we talked about during this conversation. Sabina, thank you so much for joining me uh, for having this chat about uh, job search advice for job seekers and students. If people want to learn more about you or your course or your books, where can they find you? Where should they go? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you. I've enjoyed the conversation a lot. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. On my profile, it has my website, my email. You can message me there. It has even a link. You can set up an appointment to consult with me. My website is reworkingworks.com. And you can also connect with me there, learn about everything that I'm doing, including the course, the books, this lovely podcast. So I'm around. I'd love to talk. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.